everybody. Welcome to RPG Cast, episode 216 for the week of March 31st, 2012. It's a day before April Fool's, but this episode is no joke. Here with me this week, I've got Emmanuel Marino. No joke. <laughs> um, what's your name? John Yearworth. It's still not April Fool's Day here yet, either. <laughs> Anna Marie Newfeld. Where are the Cheetos? Uh, you, you stole them, actually. Thank you. <laughs> and I'm Chris Privet here, your host. This is... RP Gamers weekly podcast about RPGs and various other sundries. So let's jump right into it. We've got some feedback from our last episode. Oh, the about... double date episode? Mm-hmm. We got so much feedback from it, so let's see. Oh, I, but I don't have... There's no message from Ocelot this week. And it's scary. <gasps> I know, isn't that terrible? Like, I just want a refund. <laughs> I want a refund on life. It's like, where's Ocelot's message? It's so bad, I'm actually hitting refresh in the thing right now just to see if it comes in. And, yeah, I don't think it is. But that's okay. I've got some other replies. Let's see. Uh, oh, from Kay Taylor says, I began listening to the RP Gamer podcast a few months ago, and I enjoy it quite a bit. During one episode, I heard that no one had played the Shadow Hearts series. I urge you all all to play all three, but especially the second one, Shadow Hearts Covenant. This series always flew a bit under the radar, but it really is an incredible set of games, and I would put Covenant up against any other PS2 RPG. I know you value story and character development, and pound for pound, the Shadow Hearts series delivers the best cast of characters and a great overarching storyline that weaves through historical events and fictional plots. Just thought I'd recommend the series. I was very surprised that you hadn't played it and wanted to let you know what a great series you are missing in your collection can i um raise my hand for one second yeah shadow hearts covenant is the third game in the series see this is my problem if i wanted to start playing shadow hearts i would start with um kudelka right which i think everyone has told me you don't need to do that i'm like i know i don't need to do it i just have to do it so (laughs) this is what's keeping me from getting into the series the the funny thing is is what Well, the funny thing is, is I actually own all three of these games and I have played them to some extent. But honestly, I at this point, I am thinking back and I am desperately trying to remember anything about the series. And it was like there was something about rings and hitting the button in good timing. And as we will discuss in the now playing section, I may not necessarily be terribly good at that particular function. Hmm. Mm hmm. Um, let's see what else we got. So that's uh, that's Shadow Hearts, and no one else has played it, so we can't get any in our comment. So we'll just move on to Disgaea. JC Servant writes in talking about my Disgaea questions. He says, I played Disgaea 1 on PS2 and Disgaea 2 on PSP for our review. I did enjoy it on the handheld more. So there's one person telling me, hey, play the handheld versions. And there was another person in the thread who had mentioned that they they feel that it fits the handheld. Um, systems better because it breaks up the monotony of a tactical rpg i'm curious do, did you say that uh, it's a superior experience on the on the ps2 or on home consoles i'm sorry did you say this guy is a superior experience oh superior- no i i brought up my old argument like i haven't finished this guy 2 and this guy 3's coming out on vita and i own all these games on um ps3 and it's like well what should i do should I play the, the portable versions now that they're out and they have more content? Or should I just don't worry about the extra content, just play through the versions I already own and save some money? See, what for me, it isn't really a question of is it more fun on the portable? Because I, I don't understand how 
I'm going to play the portable at home and it be less monotonous because I don't play portable on the go. I don't have a train <laughs> ride or anything. So for me, it's like, is the extra content worth spending the money again and rebuying the game and selling the old one? Or am I just like, is the base story in these games fine and the extra content kind of not really worth it? You know, it's funny. It's like sort of like I've been reading up on these Baldur's Gate uh, stuff, these enhanced remakes. And they're like, you know, these like 80, 90 hour plus RPGs. And yeah. they're including the expansions in too. So it's like 80 hours plus the expansions. And it's like, we're adding new quests and one new character. I'm like, I think there's enough content in there already. <laughs> Which is that Baldur's Gate they're doing that? Yeah, the enhanced. I'm, I'm sure we'll talk about it in the news. Yeah, the enhanced editions. Yeah, I didn't know they were doing a new character. I forgot that. Oh, um, I'll, t- I'll tell you all about the latest developments with that in the news. I've been following all, right. all about it. Oh, jeez. But it, you know, honestly, just, this guy is still like 100 hours of game if you really want to dig it deep into it. You don't, don't feel bad that you're missing out on an extra five. Mm-hmm. I know. I probably shouldn't, but I kind of do. If it's important stuff or if it's stuff that like – fully fleshes out an ending or something that's the stuff i want to know about like stuff that you really shouldn't miss if it's oh, just but then would fluff, you want to reward I don't care. them yeah would you want to reward them for holding back something that vital and that the changes the game that much that they saved for like an ex- they saved for bonus that they saved or- over a year for a new edition of the game? i don't think that that's how that worked this isn't like the mass effect 3 thing then this it can't like- be that vital then right I I don't know. I I don't know. That's why I'm asking the question on the off chance that there's something that is that awesome. That like they really went back, took some th- character that all the fans loved and totally fleshed something out. I, there's a chance they did. Uh, how much do you like in if in disguise Two's case, how much do you like Axel? I I, I don't know. I haven't finished Disguise 2. That's kind of my problem. How about this? Here's the most reasonable thing we can do. Play a little bit of this guy too. If it hooks you and you want to keep on playing more, then you can consider getting a Vita version or continue with the version you have then. But, but if you're not even hooked and you don't even like it and you're not even having fun, why spend even more money? Well, I okay. So I've played three hours of Disgaea two some years ago, and I I knew I wanted to finish it. I just never got around to it. Three hours, <laughs> only know, ninety-seven right? more to go. I know, right? <sighs> I don't know. <laughs> See, what I need to hear is that it's like easier to level in the PSP version or something like that. I think, That's Chris, you're, you're a theoretical strategy RPG slash Disgaea fan. In theory, you love I it. I finished Disgaea 1. Okay. Yeah, you're right. I kind of view them more as uh, an anime. So what I need is like story mode. Somebody make Disgaea story mode for me. That's what I'm looking for. I, I think the same thing happened to me with Street Fighter, where I got really excited for Super Street Fighter. and Dude, then we should play that with- some more. Just not and then online. when it came time to actually play online with people or play with people, I kind of said, you know what? I don't think I want to play this right now. Well, and you're not supposed to learn by playing online. You're supposed to learn by playing with friends in person. Oh. Well, and our mistake is I because we did that together, and we found out that that was a bad idea. Remember? Yeah. That guy was evil. He just killed us. Killed me, at least. I don't know. Ugh. Hmm. All right. Let's see. Uh, what else we got? Oh, Legendary Zoltan writes in and says, Awesome show once again, guys. Thank you, Zoltan. I have a question for Emmanuel if he's on the next podcast. Are you on I the am? next podcast? All right, good. Do you think Risen 2 will be as awesome as the developers would like us to think it is? 
I was really looking forward to the Pirates of the Caribbean Armada of the Damned, and when it got canceled, I thought Monkey Island would be the only good pirate-themed game around for the rest of my life. Please tell me Risen 2 is going to be the best pirate game ever. I need to hear it from you. <clears throat> Sincerely, the legendary Zoltan. Okay, two things. There's been a whole slew of videos that came out recently. Um, trailers, gameplay videos, just like basic story and character stuff. They're all over YouTube. They're on RP Gamer. They're, uh, if we don't have a few of the videos, I'm sure you can find them somewhere else as well. Mm-hmm. So just watch these videos and see if they meet your standards. I mean, if they look, if they look kind of janky or, or uh, just kind of low quality, that could be, that could be uh, you know, sometimes a YouTube video could be enough to turn you off to a game. But if you're still interested after watching those videos, uh, you have to understand that Risen 1 had its problems it it was a decent like mid tier kind of game, but Risen One still had its problems. Um, if if the developers right and they actually did improve on all those things, it'll be a better experience. But is it going to be like a Skyrim or is it going to be hell? I don't know. Even Kingdom of Amalur in Polish, I I don't know. Probably not. I think it's still going to be a mid tier game. But if it's a good mid tier game and if scratches a very specific niche that you want, maybe that's enough. That's fair. I don't know. I just don't want to tell this guy that it's going to... I just don't want to tell Zoltan that this is going to be the game for you. And then you get in there and it's a, a less than AAA experience. or less than, And it's just an okay pirate adventure. But if you really want a pirate game, I don't, I don't see what other choice you got, right? Isn't a okay pirate adventure, by definition of just being a pirate adventure, elevated to being something pretty sweet? There you go. No. Pirates of the Burning Sea. Hey, I like the ship combat. That's about it. <laughs> I know, I know, I get it. I'll get in trouble for saying this, but worst case scenario, just pick it up when it's cheap on Amazon. Yeah, I know, right? Hmm. So even if it's just like, even if it's just gets like a seventy-five or something on Metacritic, but we don't like Metacritic, so don't actually go there. But if you, get... <laughs> uh, Chris, hmm. anyway. many. <laughs> What? Oh, I didn't hear what you said. Oh, I said even if it's just a 70... Oh, I won't repeat it. Anyway, mm. you know, you could always pick it up on the Jeep. Yeah, I agree. Should do that. Should do Steam that. sales? I mean, I still think if there's something in there that will that that's, satisfies the spe- specific need you have, it, I think it'll do it well. Because this is a pirate-ass pirate game. A pirate-ass pirate, pirate game? game. Hey, that worked. That's weird. So I got a voicemail from someone before the show started, and um, he called our voicemail number, 608-729-4098, and it dialed my cell phone for some reason. Apparently Google Voice glitched. So I got to talk to Draconis, and he gave me a message. He suggested, you know that ugly-ass God of War 3 Pandora's box that I have because I I bought the collector's edition because I'm an idiot? Oh, because you're the biggest God of War fan, right? Yeah, I, I, I don't know what I was thinking. Um, I bought that. I have it. It's awful. It's the ugliest, most insulting jewelry box I've ever seen in my life. Um, but he came up with a good suggestion for it. He's like, use it for all Anna Skylanders. I'm like, this is perfect. So I'm officially bequeathing it to Anna. Um, pre, pre, I, I posthumously, would... pre-hostumously. So wait. 
I want to point out yeah. how he gifted it to me. He picked it up, winded it back, and hawked it onto the couch. Next to That's you. It. Here you go. I didn't hit you with it. No, you didn't. That's true. <laughs> oh, because that makes it all okay, it right? It does, yes. I'm, I'm polite. So <laughs> I've, I've, I considered I've removed that object from my life. Let's call it an objet d'art. Isn't that a nice metaphor? Keeping Skylanders in Pandora's box? Yes. I, I like that too. So I thought Draconis had a good, uh, good idea there. Uh, let's see. Hmm. So, sorry. He, also, he sent another voicemail. and ah, I can't take voicemails during the show, Draconis. I'm sorry. Uh, this is too hard. We're recording now. Got to do them the night before. All right. So let's see. What else we got? We've got... Oh, I lost my place, guys. I'm sorry. Uh, I'm the least professional host in the world of podcasts. I can, I can sum it up really quickly where oh, we are. Where, um, yeah. You guys are all not very good. You suck. And Mass hey. Effect 3 is terrible. Hey. Oh, sorry. No. We did get some Mass Effect 3 feedback. I've been sitting on this letter for a couple weeks. Uh, this is from Shoyab. He says, Playing the start of Mass Effect 3 left me confused and then really annoyed. Rarely in any entertainment medium have the effects of the previous chapters been so poorly explained. I finished the first two games and still don't have a clue what's going on at the start of 3. Why was I on Earth? What happened to my group of soldiers? What, what's going on? And, um, yeah. So I, I didn't want to... You know, since it's pseudo-spoiler to the beginning, I wanted to wait a few weeks for... We it was in the it. demo, too, though. Yeah, it's in the demo, too. And the long and short of it, the yeah, the yeah. long and short of it, Shoyeb, is um, they are referencing a piece of DLC from Mass Effect 2. And if you didn't play that DLC, you have no idea what's going on. And even if you did play the DLC, they didn't explicitly show how you get to Earth. So they just kind of made you take some mental jumps. And without that DLC, it's really hard to take those mental jumps. And uh, later on, he kind of realizes in his letter, I, I cut it short, he kind of realizes that it happened, but he's pissed off about it. And quite frankly, I think he's right to be pissed off about it. That's just stupid. Paid DLC for Mass Effect 2 that is required to understand MA, Mass Effect 3? Yeah. That, that's no good. Do you guys yep. think that's a good thing? I think that's a stupid thing. Someone defend well, that so I can... Poop no, there's a, I, I don't think there's any... I think Bioware... It's, I think it's been misstep after misstep with the Mass Effect series. And it needs what. to be subtle enough that the people who downloaded it get it, and that the people who didn't download it don't feel like they've missed something. Yeah, and if they didn't the hit other, that mark, they yeah. failed. And they did that with all the other Mass Effect 2 DLC. It was all subtly integrated into 3 in ways that if um, actually you wouldn't even see the integrations if you didn't play it. And it was all handled very well. But not this one. This one's like, oh, you didn't play this? And it, you know what sucks? It wasn't even good DLC. Wasn't even oh, the, a good pack. The other part is if you even if you do have it and don't have it don't have it cleared on the uh, character that you import it, then also reduces one of the assets you get in two uh, in three. Oh, yeah. If you did have it or didn't have it, if you have it but didn't play it. Oh, really? Yeah. That's strange. Because the story, because the story basically continues as though um, basically Shepard wasn't present for the events of it. And well, that would be very bad, given what happens in that. Yeah. So I mean, they punish you for downloading it. I'm not playing through it. 
Yeah, because I, I, I have it, and I only cleared it on a character that I then didn't import into Mass oh, Effect 3. I have to talk to you offline about that, because I want to understand how that's handled in the story, because that has serious implications if you didn't clear that. Yeah. <laughs> I know. I'm you perfectly just, aware of that. That's weird. <laughs> All right. Well, actually, the, 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 the plot resolution, the, the, the plot, I think, Mass Effect 3 give it is similar to the resolution if, um, if you didn't play through Layer of the Shadow Broker. Because the explanation given in 3, if you didn't play through Shadow Broker, was um, instead of effectively going in with a two-man army, which is what you do in 2 if you have it, with yourself and Liara, um, she mentions in 3, if you didn't play it, that she basically just threw waves and waves and waves of mercenaries at it until they died. Mm. And I think the um, so the someone else took care re- of it. Yeah, for basically you. the reduction in the war asset in three, if you don't play the arrival, is caused by the fact that instead of Shepard handling it, the Alliance just sent waves and waves of men at it until the problem solved itself. Oh, fun! That's kind of silly. You know what, man? Why can't Bioware just go back to the Bioware I knew and loved when they made Dragon Age two? Eh, that's okay. We got other companies that are picking up that slack, and we'll get to them later. So, wait, but wait, did you say Dragon Age Two? <laughs> <You're slow. laughs> <What the hell? laughs> uh, also, in our feedback thread on the forums was a lot of roaring about Mass Effect 3's ending, back and forth, plus and minus debates. So, um, I chose not to recap any of that here because that's kind of been covered enough on the internet. That being said, the discussion was seriously awesome. And please, please do that again. Because mm-hmm. it was actually really, really cool seeing the back and forth without, like, the the mouth breathing. Yes, so everyone was respectful. That's cool. Um, if you want to leave us fee- feedback, podcast at rpgamer.com is the email address. 608-729-4098 is the voicemail. And board.rpgamer.com is the discussion forum. Go to the latest updates section. Find the podcast thread right there. Let's move on to news, people. First story, Mistborn RPG. From publisher Little Orbit comes an RPG set in Brandon Sanderson's um, Mistborn setting. You may know him as the guy who's writing the last couple, or I guess he's written, are they done? The last uh, two or three books for Wheel of Time. You know who's funny? Most people at this point may know him as the guy who wrote the Infinity Blade, tie- Infinity Blade tie-in novel. Which I honestly liked. I liked the story in that, and um, it's a lot better than Infinity Blade itself. So I'm kind of into that. So I, I I liked what he wrote. I've never read any oh. of his Mistborn stuff, so it'd be. There was a little talk about this RPG. Uh, do you know anything about the publisher? Who's I mean, well, not the publisher. The never heard of Little Orbit. It. Oh, no, um, that's the publisher. The guys who are making it is. Uh, it's not even listed in this story. Hmm. Um, I think they're they they refer to themselves as one of the best developers in Orange County. Are there a lot of developers in Orange County? Blizzard's in Orange County. Oh, oops. Hmm. <laughs> so Blizzard is making this. But they said one of. So oh, fair. one of. So we're the other developer in Orange County. I don't know. Honestly, I have no idea what their track, re- the track record is. On, you don't on know the, their names? Can we find their names somewhere? Hmm. Missed. I think they made like a Barbie glamorous adventure game. Oh, they really they are. It. Wow. Okay. I think it's uh, Crafty Games. You're right. Oh. I think it's Crafty Games. Yeah. So I don't know how good this Mistborn game. I mean, I, to be fair, they could make this could be their breakout title that that, that makes them a household name. But yeah. it's just I just don't know. 
I mean, I have no because when you hear like, oh, Bethesda's making a new game, you have an idea in your head. When, when you say Bioware's making a new RPG, you have an idea in your head. Oh no, like, no, this is uh, pen and paper, oh. crafty games. So this is not him. So um, I have honestly, based on this dev, I have no idea what to expect. Yeah, I agree. Mistborn Adventure Game. No. Mistborn. Are we all looking Google? How do you have an adventure game that's pen and paper? How how does that work? With your imagination, Chris. I don't get it. All right. Your hard copy of and the electronic what? Ugh, whatever. I don't know. Hmm hmm hmm. That's Mistborn. Hopefully it'll be good. Oh, it says... Oh, here we go. The most unique aspect of the upcoming RPG is that it will be adapting Sanderson's Allomancy system into the game's combat system. Magic users consume small flakes of metal in order to enhance their physical and mental faculties. And they'll be translating this system into the game. Well, that doesn't sound as exciting as they build it, but okay. So apparently you're going to chew on some silver and then that'll make you powerful. Got it. Hey, people say those books are good, man. All right. I'll, I'll believe it. I haven't read them. Uh, I think uh, Scott, who was on the show last week, I think he's into that series. So. Oh, I think Nick's too, yeah. Yeah, probably both of them. Legend of Grimrock, which I'm sorry, I can't read this game's title and not think about the Transformer, Grimlock. It's just, this is a bad title choice. Legend of Grimlock, Grimrock, goes gold. Old school meets new school dungeon crawler, says our story. Uh, it's gone gold, and it's now available for pre-order. It'll be out April 11th, and you can buy it on the game's webpage, Steam, GOG.com, and it's 12 bucks, eleven ninety nine. And what else? Uh, it's four um, adventures who've been imprisoned in infamous dungeons of Grimrock Mountain, and it's old-school grid-based... What is this, wizardry? I don't even know. Does anybody know? Nobody explains what the game's like. Oh, everyone just leaves me to figure out indie games on my own. So I'm looking through the trailer here, and there's traps, and it's first person, and you're walking around, so... Oh, you have to put gems into things to open doors. That's good. And there's spider coming. Let's see how the combat works. Uh, It doesn't show in the trailer. Come on. Okay, slash, magic. So it's somewhere between wizardry and oblivion, if that makes any sense. It probably doesn't, but somewhere. Did you find the publisher for Mistborn? Yeah, Game Machine Studios. All right. Oh, okay. They made uh, Touchmaster 3, Ooh. Lousy Scissors, Sherlock Holmes Mysteries, Pose Kung Fu Challenge online multiplayer game, Max Steel, and Venlo Hearts Flame of Judgment. Oh, I played that. I had fun with that. Okay. I know other people weren't as satisfied with it as me, but, you know, for a downloadable tactical RPG, I had fun with it. And Konami published that one, right? The Van yeah, Hart's game? Yeah. All right. You know, Van Hart wasn't bad. In that case, my confidence is renewed. I, they need some. They need to take it to another level if they're really going to become a beloved RPG developer or the best developer in Orange County, but, you know. <laughs> uh, one of the best developers. Right, right. One of the best. Got it. One of my favorite publishers, Exceed, has announced a new title coming out here in the U.S., Unchained Blades, which, by the way, our YouTube video for that has uh, skyrocketed. It's got thousands of views, and that's not normal for our YouTube videos, because uh, 
I don't know why, but usually Wait, what game is this again? Unchained Blades. Unchained Blades. Or as it's written in the story, Uncahined Blades. But, you know, not like we proofread. So, let's see. Unchained Blades, this is... Wait, uh, what? Hang on. Yeah. (laughs) I'm going to go edit this right now. Uncahined Blades is what it says, but that's okay. Uh, No, it's not okay. (laughs) (laughs) It's going to be released on 3DS and PSP. So, I guess that means it's... I want to say it's an older title, but it's 3DS, but it's... P- what does that mean? Okay. Oh, excuse me, I have a cat harassing me here. Come on, go, go. All right. So, it was also... In Japan, it was called Unchained Blades Rex, R-E-X-X. Um, so, if you were following it in Japan, it's now called Unchained Blades here. It is traditional dungeon crawling, kind of like Wizardry and Etrian Odyssey. And you can recruit monsters into your party to be support and main members of the team. So if you're in dungeon crawling, you may be interested in this one. Michael is not available to be on the podcast this week. Otherwise, he might be excited for this. He likes those sorts of things. He likes monster collecting, and he likes dungeon crawlers. So <laughs> this this one should be right up his alley. We do not have a date on it yet, but we have uh, the trailer that they po- that we posted... And apparently the voice acting is awful. Oh, wait, I listened to this one. The voice acting is awful. (laughs) Which is weird, because they they actually hired a guy, which I recognize from the Persona games. But apparently the direction or the way it was presented or how they had him do his delivery didn't work out so well, at least in the context of this trailer. So I hope it's better in the game. For what it's worth, Tom does insist that, um, that the voice acting is better than the small clip. Okay, so they so, they did a bad trailer, basically. Yeah. Okay. Um, you know who I'm talking about, right? Wordwad on the forums. No, but that's yeah. good to know. Does he work okay. for Exceed? He does now. Uh, oh, go go him. That's a nice job to have. I I would love to work at Exceed. That'd be pretty sweet. That's got to be a fun place. Small publisher bringing out cool games to fans who are also for in Orange County. Oh, one of the best publishers of Orange County. Yes. Mm. Mm-hmm. Uh, Fantasy Star Online 2. Any excitement for this here? Yeah, a little. A little bit fine. Tentative. Tentative on Anna. All right. I have no idea. Well, remember, I mentioned... The interesting thing is... Oh, sorry. Go ahead. I was going to say, when when, when the subjects usually come up in the past, I usually do have to mention that Fantasy Star Online was one of the first online games I ever played. It still has a kind of special place in my heart for sort of introducing me to all of that. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, I'd say I'm looking forward to it just based on that. The thing that interests me about the game is this news. Yeah, so check this out. So we already know this game's coming out on PC and Vita. And now we've got two other bits of info. It's going to be free to play. And uh, free to play, free to download. And you can also play a slightly different version that'll be on iOS and Android devices. It'll have a simpler character system, also have social game elements, that won't be in the PC and Vita versions, that will be in that, and, like, the games will connect. So, apparently, it's my understanding that playing the iOS and Android version will somehow help or advance your character or something about your playing of the main PC and Vita versions. And, of course, it's free-to-play, free-to-download, which is cool. I haven't. That's kind of a new thing on the Vita system, isn't it? Well, I guess not, because RC game was came out for free that MotorStorm RC game, but that was sponsored. So this is a little different. I assume there will be... Uh, the question is, of course, how are they going to ruin it with uh, what you have to pay for? 
So is it going to be pay to win? Is it going to be like uh, buy weapon packs and get like random drops and stuff to power up your character? What what, what are they going to do? What do you if, how do you think they're going to win? It? It's going to fail yeah. right away. Well, so you don't think you don't think anybody would be into that because pay to win games don't, don't automatically people. fail. You're, or even take... games that have converted to them from subscription models haven't immediately fell over. No, no, I mean uh, not p- free to play. I mean pay to win games. No, no, I'm, that's oh, what okay. I'm referring okay, to. Okay. As in ga- games that were subscriptions that went to specifically to pay to win rather than other types of uh, microtransactions. Okay, okay, fair enough. It won't happen right away, but it, it just it won't blow up the way it did before if it's like that. There'll be a lot of bad press about it if that's how it works. Although Fancy Star Online, the original, did have a subscription fee in everywhere aside from Europe. Mm-hmm. Even when it was on the Dreamcast, you still had to pay to access it. Right. So, um, I don't know. what. I mean, if it's going to be some model where, like, there is still some co- sort of monthly subscription plan, like a couple of the other free-to-play MMOs out there, um, I'm, uh, well, if it's any good, I don't what mind do you paying. Think, if you've played the old PSOs, what do you think would make sense to turn into something you pay for in the new one? Nothing. I mean, at this point, I think that game was essentially Diablo with, a, like, a, a live avatar chat lobby. That does not. It's not worth a fifteen dollar a month subscription fee. Hmm. No, yeah, but so most of the um, micro, most of the microtransaction stuff with premium subscriptions don't charge fifteen dollars a month. Yeah. So that's uh, honestly that's why I think it'll probably do better at this point because. Uh, uh, I mean, I imagine. Have, mm-hmm. I imagine it will be um, stuff like. Um, like additional bank slots, the kind of thing that they normally oh. put microtransactions for, that sort of thing. Possibly weapon, uh, I don't know, weapon skins or something. Cosmetic items? Cosmetic, yeah, just like cosmetic items and stuff. That'd be cool if they could just fund it with that sort of stuff and then everyone else gets to play for free. I don't know, though. They, there's p- been plenty of other games that have done exactly that and they just don't succeed. So the gameplay of this thing is going to really... For going free to play does not excuse poor gameplay, because otherwise this thing is just going to turn into another free to play niche title that those free to play players will be out there and they'll support. Nana knows those players are out there. We just don't hear about them. The games aren't popular, but that doesn't mean they don't have a lot of players. Okay, I guess that means they are popular, but you know what I mean. They're not popular among the uh, the mainstream <laughs> game community. What do you think, Anna? PSO free to play has it got a chance? Um. Yeah, that's why I'm interested in it. Oh, Wait, hmm. has anyone said this is coming to North America or Europe? No. Wait, well, it's got to at this point. I think so. Yeah. But no official confirmation. Nothing like that. Well, we've got some issues with that, especially given that Sega has gone. You know, they they've posted a 7.1 billion yen loss for the year, and have said that they're going to do a restructure, especially. Uh, uh, yeah, of uh, a lot of its game titles. So they they just announced that IPs like Sonic, Football Manager, Total War, and Aliens are 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 safe, but they're going to start canceling um, games outside of those those series, and they're going to be uh, they haven't announced which ones are canceling yet, but uh, it's gonna it's gonna see uh, we're gonna see some impact in that, and titles that we're used to seeing or wanted to see more of, we're not going to. So it's some pretty bad news about. Sega. And I'm wondering if it could affect Fantasy Star Online. Or if they're just too far along at this point, they're going to release that. Any ideas? No? All right. 
other issues there is uh, people are speculating we'll see more digital releases from Sega rather than boxed games, which I'm fine with. So I don't know. And my what I really liked is that after seeing that story, I looked up and I see the next story is that uh, Sega has filed a trademark for Valkyria Duel, <laughs> along with Galaxy Conquest and Ryuga Goroku Kizuna, whatever that means. And uh, uh, Yakuza, the next Yakuza game. Oh, okay. So we've got we've got another Galaxy game, um, a Yakuza game, and a Valkyria game. Actually, Galaxy they didn't own. Uh, what would Galaxy be for, I wonder? Probably a new title. But I don't know if that those are going to go anywhere at all because, um, uh, yeah. Oh, I guess one of them's already out because, okay, the Ryuga Gotoku is a iOS game that came out on March 26th. The other two pro- might not go anywhere given the other news that Sega has, uh, they're, they're going to be canceling stuff. So really sucks. $85 million loss, no good. No good for gamers who keep wanting Valkyria Chronicles 3 to come out. Pretty much guaranteed that ain't happening here. Poor guys. Poor everybody. Everyone suffers for that. So we'll have to see if Fancy R Online 2 comes out and saves Sega. All right. NIS America apparently doesn't need to be saved. They just announced three more titles at a big old press event. And they've said the following three are coming out. The Witch and the Hundred Light. All three of these games are for PS3, by the way. The Witch and the Hundred Knights. Scheduled for winter 2013, which I assume means like January to March of next year. It is an action RPG. Mugen Souls, it's a strategy RPG coming out fall of this year. Also for PS3, and it is um, apparently slightly censored, they they noted. Uh, I'm not really sure what they cut out, but apparently there's some uh, something that was slightly... The U.S. market wouldn't necessarily be ready for. Legacista is the third one. And it is a PS3 downloadable title. So it'll be on PSN. And also coming out around August. Oh, someone says uh, in, in the chat room that the the censoring thing involves young girls in Mugen Souls. Alright, so Legacista, that's the third title. PSN downloadable survival action RPG. Anyone interested in these just because they're NIS games? Or are you waiting to hear more? Waiting to hear more. That's yeah, probably a smart thing. Looking through some screenshots here. What do we got? Screenshots. So, yeah, because we got screenshots from the Japanese version of that. The, uh, the what is it called? Witch in the Hundred... What are we called? Yeah, the Witch in the Hundred Knights. Looks pretty cool. for It's a nice PS3 art style. What do we got here? Mugen Souls with our young girls has lots of young girls doing RPG type things. So who knows what that is? Looks quirky and anime-like, so that should appeal to. Well, that should appeal to me, actually. So I don't know, or the hyper-dimension Neptunia crowd, perhaps. And we got Moon and Souls. I don't know what that looks like. It looks, you know, that almost looks in some of the artwork. It looks like a uh, Vanillaware type game, and then some of the artwork it very much doesn't. So interesting. Three more NIS games. Be excited if you're an NIS fan, which apparently nobody here is. You guys are so down today. Come on. Get excited. Get excited. Come on. Do I need Sorry. to cheerlead for the podcast? <laughs> Sorry, Chris. I've got a Super Robot Wars game coming out next week. It's about the only thing I'm looking That's forward to. It's the only thing moment. you care about. You can't even focus on the podcast. Uh, hmm. 
Let's see. Remember, David's over there crying in the corner. Oh, why? Because I'm neglecting him. Oh, He's right. He's focusing on Poor Super thing. Robot Wars. Hmm. All right. So another thing that came out, Tales of Zillia was trademarked in the U.S. So this is uh, something we saw trademarked in Europe back in March 20th. And now we've got it trademarked in the U.S. So maybe we're going to see Tales of Zillia come out here. Maybe, maybe. I think I've almost finished it. <laughs> yeah, you got the Japanese version, right? Ages ago. Yeah. For what it's worth, I don't want to be like the Debbie Downer here, but there are lots of things that get trademarked and either go nowhere. No, don't remind us of that. Don't remind us of that. It's it's a significant period of time before we actually see the result of that trademark. So don't expect Celia like, you know, by the end of the year. Expect if it's gonna come out here, we'll hear about it probably at E three. Final Fantasy XIII 2, lightning content. Um, we already know that it's coming. It's story-based. We don't know if it's a side story, if it actually brings closure to thirteen two. But we do know that the name is going to be Requiem of the Goddess. Or at least that's the translation of the Japanese name, which was just revealed in Dengeki. So there you go. You got some name. Requiem of the Goddess, makes a that's a good name for something that might be wrapping up the story there, maybe. I don't know. We'll see. It sounds vaguely important. Vaguely important. So hopefully it will be important. But we don't know. Because the Zaza DLC came out and it didn't really add much as far as wrapping up the game. It's more of a side story. So. <laughs> oh, uh, no, I think that DLC was really just an excuse to get Zaz as a playable character. Which is not a reason. That is an admirable goal. Yes. That fro um, needs to be displayed. Apparently the, oh, the um, Ultros um, Chupon DLC is hilarious. It's what? out. I I downloaded it and I haven't. Even Have you tried it, it yet? No, I I'm I'm still really early in the game. I'm nowhere near strong enough. But ah, okay. Uh, <laughs> I don't worry. I'm to. in the same. I'm in the same situation. I changed my forum avatar because of that DLC. So I'm I'm into it. I can't wait. So let's see. Oh, here's something. Class of Heroes Two has been kickstarted. In <laughs> More like it's the, been kicked in the teeth. One of the worst kickstart launches I've ever seen. Uh, so this is a Gaijin Works and Monkey Paw game. So Victor Island's involved and some other developers from other stuff. I don't even know what they're from. Um, they are coming together, and they have already secured the rights to release Class of Heroes in America. It's going to be a PSP download game. Or Class of Heroes 2, excuse me. And they started a Kickstarter, and nobody really understood what the Kickstarter was for, and then they start reading through it, and the Kickstarter was poorly written, and nobody... It was there's artwork that's like really racy on it and all this other weird stuff going on. And basically what happened is this. They decided let's start a Kickstarter to fund the collector's edition of our game. We don't want to just make one and put it out there because they're going to have a lot of copies that don't get sold. So what we'll do is basically we'll have it be a pre-order. Anyone who can kickstarts at 59 bucks or up is going to get this cool deluxe edition, kind of like the old Lunar games. It'll be an awesome deluxe edition. Uh, at least that's what they say it will be. It'll be an awesome deluxe edition, and you'll get it if you, you pledge this amount of hire. You're basically pre-ordering it, and we want to sell 7,000 of them. If we get 7,000 people worth doing that, we can do the pre- the special edition. It'll be great. And additionally, with that same money, we're going to make the localization better. It'll be a better localization with additional features and stuff Sorry. we're going to add into the game. That's I'm what gonna, they say. I'm, which, hang on, let me pull up my forum post. Why? 
What's up? Because there was a nice debate about this on the forums because people were not happy with the direction that this Kickstarter is going in. Yeah, so um, where's Empire? The guy is over at Z-Boyd Games basically took their Kickstarter to task, and I loved it because he uh, he basically hit on all the issues. That, that is there an article that it. he did this? Or something? Oh, yeah, he did a whole article on uh, Gamma He did Sutra. it on Gamma Sutra. It ended up being a featured article. Oh, yeah, let me to, go look. I'm going to go look for this right I have now. to find it. Um, yeah, shoot. I don't know. Yes, you should include the link to this in the show notes, Chris. I should? I should have, and I don't know where it is. No, in the show notes to the people who download the podcast so they can read. I did. Oh, I have the Kickstarter, but I, as soon as I find the Where's Umpires article, I will totally do that. So, almost done with my Class of Heroes article. There it is. So, I got it. Um, oh, that doesn't help you guys. Let me put it in the chat room. So, this article basically takes to task all the issues with this thing. Like, essentially... Everybody who's sitting there trying to fund it is confused because usually when you see a Kickstarter come out, it's there to, um, it's there to make a project happen, right? Yeah, and a project is, that wouldn't exist otherwise. Right, and that's totally not the case here. This game's coming out regardless. But the problem is that this Kickstarter started off under the presumption that if you support JRPGs coming out in the West, you need to support this Kickstarter that you are putting behind... Uh, that you're you're helping that movement and helping ensure that good JRPGs come out in the West, but, but I'm just going to walk through a ha- through some of the points he points out. Number one, this series doesn't have a fan base. Number two, there's no digital reward tier, so people have to pay fifty nine dollars to get a reward. Most of the successful Kickstarters we've seen, including Double Fines and Wasteland and stuff, you're getting the game for fifteen bucks. Okay, great. So number three, the PSP is a dead system in the U.S. Oh, but you can't. But and but that's fine because the Vita will play PSP games. Except when this thing first launched, there were no download codes for the game in any of the tiers. Now since then, they've altered it. Hundred dollar donations and up will get a downloadable code in addition to the physical UMD version. Okay, uh, let's see. <laughs> this this isn't a JRPG. This is a Western style RPG. <laughs> Which is my favorite point of the whole thing. Class of Heroes is wizardry inspired. That's not a JRPG format. People who want to support JRPGs are not going to support wizardry. I mean, here's the thing is, it isn't just wizardry inspired. The original developers went, we're going to make a wizardry game. And they pitched it to the people that make wizardry. Yeah. And they said, "Mm, no, thank you. So they renamed it Class of Heroes, or I guess whatever the Japanese name is. And they put it out. And in Japan, wizardry is massively popular. So wizardry clones... Are like Diablo clones in North America. Yeah, they just they yeah. There's quite a few of them out there, but they also you know the the fan base sucks them up. So you know uh, the fact that they couldn't get the official Wizardry license was neither here nor there. So wh- but yes, it is a Western RPG yeah. with Japanese RPG flair. Yeah, and Robert continues. They here. they didn't show off the game enough. And he's right. They didn't. They had like one screenshot barely of the game in the original post. They've gone back and fixed that. So that's two points. No, they resolved. didn't have one screenshot. They had one. They screenshot. had one. They had one screenshot of the map. 
Oh, that's right. Yeah. And then they had an artwork of one girl snapping another girl's bra and uh, the yeah. bra almost falling off. Yeah, they've changed all that. The they've they've totally changed all the pictures on this page. It's better. Uh let's see. The early tiers were offensive, said Robert. Um uh, <laughs> which I, I think is funny. The five dollar and ten dollar tiers are just thank you letters or thank you emails, which is like shouldn't you be doing that to everybody who donates to your thing? that's like a guaranteed so if it's gonna be a reward tier it should be more than a thank you uh let's see oh there are no screenshots of what the special edition has you don't know what you're getting for your 59 dollars still an issue um and originally there was no clear description how the money's going to be used how it's going to be making the game is it is it making the english version what's going to happen Why, why do you need this money since the game's coming out anyway so since that article and since the fans went to town on them on Twitter, on NeoGAF and everywhere, they've addressed some of the issues. Like I said, there are now digital download codes at $100 tiers or higher. Um, if you donate $20, you'll get a soundtrack. So that's a way to be rewarded at a $20 level. They've made it clear that this is that the game's coming out regardless, and this is just to help make the localization better, add some new features, and of course to fund the, right. the physical and box set. That that was the that was the thing that I thought was ridiculous. Mm-hmm. I'm sorry, wait, wait, wait. you are never ever ever going to convince me that giving them more money is going to make a localization better. If you do not put an honest effort into your localization, your game will suck. Well, there are feature additions and programming type things they want to do. Um, yeah, but they can't do, st- they can't just do that regardless. That takes time and money. Um, yeah, but not a lot. Uh, I'm not going to make that statement. I don't know that that's the case. Um, I feel comfortable making that statement cause I know a company that does it. Okay. And let's see. Oh, and here's their original intention because obviously they were using Kickstarter in a way different than people are used to. So they came out and clearly said, so here's what we intended. We wanted to allow fans that plan to download the game to support the game now, helping us reach the funding threshold and extending the scope and depth of localization for both the digital and physical releases. Then they'd get their names encoded to the final product, and those that pledge 20 bucks or higher get uh, the game poster and, of course, the soundtrack and stuff like that. So they're essentially getting pre-order type swag for a digital download they're going to buy in the future. So that was how they intended people who plan to digitally download it to support the game. And let's see, yeah. So, blah, 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 blah. You can read more about it at the Kickstarter that's in our delicious... Or I could, you know, support the game by buying the game when it comes out. You could support it by buying the game when it comes out, so... You don't need to spend $20 on maybe, like, a a soundtrack that's worth 10 or less. A soundtrack and a poster. Get a poster, too. Yeah, but none of those things interest me. Yeah. I mean, Uh, I'm not interested in the game is the problem. But I hate it when people say you of all people should donate. Um, So here's my problem with this. Now that they've cleaned it up some, I'm more comfortable with this Kickstarter project. I know what it's here for. I know what I'm supporting. I know what I'm getting. So they've cleaned up all the big issues that were there when this thing released, in my opinion. Uh, The problem is I still don't care about the game. (laughs) So I'm not going to be donating to this. Well, and honestly, (laughs) um, going off of the... Going off of basically the attitude and for lack of a better phrasing, how Kickstarter works, mm-hmm. you need to, your your biggest donation period is like the first 24 first hours. Yeah, they've, they've missed their window. And yeah, they, they completely booched They that have window. gotten to 49,900. they claim in 19 days they will hit their goal. They've gotten to $49,915 after four days. They've got 26 days to go. They need to get to $500,000. So we'll see. 
we'll see. And, I don't know. Uh, all the most successful Kickstarters, they reach their goal in 24 hours or about maybe at the most a week. I mean, uh, not no. Or on no, tactics took true. a long time. Yeah, and, I mean, um, there were there are games that basically they make their goal in like the last twenty four hours. But I mean, at that point, they're really is, close to it, right? And I mean, we'll there see. there is a big surge often in the last twenty four hours. I mean, we saw that with I mean, just about every Kickstarter that I don't know I've been interested in and watched, even mm-hmm. the ones that I haven't necessarily donated to. I mean, Double Fine had it on tape. I know they're not a good example because they're sort of the exception that proves the rule. So there's another Kickstarter I haven't donated to yet, but I keep thinking maybe I should the more I hear about it, and that's the Wasteland 2 Kickstarter. (laughs) So you hear about this. So they've gotten, they've doubled their goal so far, and they've said, okay, you know where we are right now? We want to add $500,000 to it. We want to get to $2.1 million. And if we do, here's what we're going to do. We're going to team up with Obsidian. And they're going to make sure our game has a lot of bugs. No, um, no, that's not what it is. It's they want to team up with people at Obsidian because they work. The people who work there worked on games like Planescape Torment, Fallout One and Two, Icewind Dale, and Neverwinter Nights Two and Knights of the Old Republic Two. I mean, give me a break. So they want to get some of them those people involved, and they're going to need more money to pull that off. And if they do, they're going to get them involved with the development of Wasteland Two and have to have even more people adding and helping this game and lending tool sets and stuff. So Wasteland 2 is shaping up to be like a big collaboration project and get even uh, even more of a to-do. Um, I don't know about you guys. I have a bunch of unplayed post-apocalyptic RPG games, including Fallout 1 and 2, Fallout 3, Fallout 3 New Vegas. So I'm not really jumping in the Wasteland 2 thing right now, but I just Obsidian getting involved, does this make it any of you excited? I just don't play enough Western RPGs to care about this Kickstarter. I kickstarted this one a while ago. As soon as it got to 1.5, mm-hmm. because that's when. Because right now the the base level tier is digital copy of the game, DRM free, on PC, Mac, and Linux, and it's only going to be this cheap for people who kickstarted, and you get like a unique skill. I mean, I like these kind of games, and I always say I want oh, you know you more don't interesting. Con- it's going to be more than fifteen dollars on release. Yeah, twenty. They say right there, this low price only available for those who helped fund. Yeah. So it'll be like 50 or 20, do you think? 20 or more. Okay. Like okay. 20. See, I, my problem with it is I have no attachment to Wasteland 1. And that's the big issue for me. Did you watch and the video? you don't have no, any attachment for Fallout either. Oh, no, I kind of like watch, Fallout. Watch, but... I think you should watch the, the video before you use it. Because the, the, he does a very good job saying why you should care about this game. And he says, we, you know what? We wanted to make a Wasteland 2, but we didn't have the rights to it. So we made Fallout 1 and 2 instead. Hmm. So this is really is the spiritual, spiritual successor. I mean, to the I mean, predecessor to the Fallout series. Yeah. So and, my thought process, to be quite honest, is I don't have to kickstart everything. And this game was well beyond funded before I even really truly thought it through. And I was thinking, well, maybe I can just sit back and wait and hear what the reviews are. <laughs> just buy it then, especially if it's only 20 bucks. Yeah, at the same time, though, I'd rather ensure I get a DRM-free copy from on my Mac. Yeah. Just be happy with that rather than be like, oh, okay, now it's only on Steam. Ooh, did you hear, speaking of Mac copies, that the Baldur's Gate games are getting a Mac port, too? Why, the- yes, I did, Chris. Yeah. Let me tell you all about it. Oh, okay. <laughs> you should do that. <laughs> okay, so um, in case you guys haven't heard, did you talk about it in the last week's episode? Yeah, we did, that the iPad version was coming. All right, so... 
okay, so I'll, I'll just pick up from that point. So, you know, everyone knows Baldur's Gate enhanced editions are coming from Beamdog. And on the first episode that we talked about, like maybe two weeks ago, we talked about, oh, we never heard of Beamdog before. Who are these guys? Yeah. Uh, they're only selling it on their sco- on their store. That seems like a mistake. Well, that's okay, though, because if you have an iPad, you can get it on the iTunes App Store and get it for your iPad. And if you have a Mac, you can get it from the Mac App Store. And all three versions are coming out this summer. Some specific Mac features that are pretty exciting. It's going to include a lot of uh, Lion-specific features like iCloud and widescreen. Uh, I, about the iCloud in particular, which is exciting, I, I was looking at the um, Trent Oster. I think he's the head of Beamdog, the CEO, one of the main guys on this project. Concerning the iCloud support, someone on Twitter asked him – let me see. I had it. Damn. I had it open. The blah, blah, blah. Okay. Someone asked him – uh, sweet. Please tell me there will be a cloud saving option. I'd love to play on my Mac. I'd love to play on Mac where I left off on my iPad. And then the guy responds, "Cloud saves are in the plan for Baldur's Gate." So he basically said, "Yeah, if if you play on your Mac using iCloud, you'll be able to pick up where you left off on your iPad or and back and forth." That's pretty. Which sweet. sounds pretty cool. I want to do that. Not only that, though. Chris, let's say you and I want to play online multiplayer, but you're playing on your iPad, and I want Anna to play too, but she's playing on her PC, and I'm playing on my iMac. All three of us have cross-platform multiplayer. See, what they need now, though, is cross-platform, including Windows. It is. No, I'm sorry, sorry, for the saves. Oh, how would that work? I don't know. Find a way. It's tied into iCloud. Don't use iCloud, then. It's the easiest easiest way to tie it into your iPad and your Mac. Use Put in Dropbox support or something. Man, I don't Drop. care. <laughs> Why not? It's not – that is totally not Chris, impossible. you are not you – you do not have this problem. You have several Macs and you have an I, iPad. No, I have one iOS Mac. Stuff. I have one Mac and an iPad and an iPhone. And I do not want to play PC games on my laptop when I have my, my gaming PC with my keyboard and my mouse on my desk. I'd rather use that to play the game. You, you need your high-end por- graphics card to play Baldur's Gate Enhanced no, Edition? No, no, not at all. But I want to use a mouse and keyboard. I want, to, I want to sit at my desk and do it. I don't want to do it on my MacBook on the couch. I, don't, I just don't play Baldur's Gate games like that. You want the mouse and, and all that. I don't want a touchpad. So, I mean, that's how I want to play it at home. And when I'm out and about, I want to play it on my iPad. And First so I don't think problems, I should- buddy. Oh, give me a break. I shouldn't have to buy an iMac just to play this thing on the go. But what are you talking about? Can't you since when can you not plug in a mouse into a into a laptop? Well, it's not the same, man. I use a I have a 13-inch MacBook Pro and I plug in a mouse into it. Well, if all I the time. if I do that at my desk, the the height of my MacBook will not be at an ergonomic level. The the monitor will be too low, and that's not good for you over time. So he's in my monitors Aww. at the right height. Muffin. First world problem. Oh, give me a break. Dude, you don't, you don't play an RPG for eight hours in a row and like do it at a bad angle. You're going to have a crick in your neck and then you can... Okay, I played I played StarCraft 2 and War... Uh, what's it called? Um, what's the... Damn it. WarCraft 3 on my 13-inch MacBook Pro with a mouse. See, and I, I had would, a lot of fun. Uh, yes. I, I. Can you lower your chair, Chris? Well, if I lower my chair, then it's the wrong level for the keyboard. <laughs> well, yeah. I mean, think of, think that through. I mean, I'd be on the floor. What are you doing? Okay, Chris, can you – how about this? How about this? Can you maybe have just a different character on your iPad and a different character on your gaming rig? Dude, haven't you played those games? You play as like the same guy. 
Dude, dude, even um, everyone will say I'm the biggest Mac user and all this stuff on this damn thing and and all this stuff. But th- and like, uh, and I buy overpriced toys as much as the next guy. But come on, this is just getting a little ridiculous. Because I want them to put in the the cross platform saves between Windows and the iPad. That's ridiculous. You know, I don't think uh, that's ridiculous. Sky, a chair, um, chair in the sky, Chris. You just found out this feature existed two minutes ago, and already you're calling BS. Yes. There you go. That's why I think it's funny because you're like, oh, that's a nice. You know what I'm going to say? I'm going to tell you this. I'm going to tell you this. There's a lot more PC owners with iPads than Mac owners with iPads. And I think this is a more valuable feature if they can cross-platform between their PC and their iPad than rather than their, than a Mac and an iPad. I'm going to send them a Twitter message right now. You're a fool. How okay. dare you? <laughs> yes. That's what I said. That's that's a direct quote. No, You're a fool. Like, How I dare mean, you? <laughs> it's just... I don't I think, think it's, it's as useful. I think it's something I they think... didn't have to add it at all, and the fact that they're trying to do something with it, yeah. I think it's great. Uh, I'll be excited when I actually take, can take advantage of it. All right. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> and with that, we better end our news, because I'm getting no sympathy on that one. So. <laughs> hey, there's one last thing to do in the news. Oh, ooh. What? I, I don't even know what's going on. Everyone's oh. talking. All right. I think it's time for MMO Roundup or MMO in a Minute or whatever we're calling it. Over well, to you, if Anna. I can keep it under 60 se- or if I can keep it under 60 seconds, okay. Top headlines for the week of March 25th through March 31st. Uh, DC Universe Online membership benefits begin April 3rd. Star Trek Online launches in Europe via Perfect World uh, in French and German. Champions Online cutting crafting mechanics, realizing they suck, will replace with two new mechanics. Ragnarok Online celebrates their spring break in style. Firefall will begin their 24-7 closed beta test on April 2nd. (laughs) Microvolts joins the old American West. Uh, Tara's third lore ebook now available, 99 cents USD. Uh, Battlegrounds announced as coming post-launch. World of Tanks sees big updates and new vehicles. Gods and Heroes in major trouble because they decided the choice between uh, closing the game and firing the development team meant firing the development team. Pocket Legends turns two this week. Happy birthday. Warhammer 40k Dark Millennium confirmed as no longer an MMO will be single player with multiplayer aspects. Almost 80 staff fired as a result of the announcement. World of Darkness, a product of CCC Games, CCP Games officially tagged as quote unquote ready when it's done. All right. First of all, in other words, it's been ready when it's done for the last Ooh, six years also. Yeah, this is this is the Eve developer's other MMO. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right. First of all, you... I remember. Oh. I remember it being announced in two thousand and six. Yeah, it, it apparently had a very tiny section of uh, their hall for the fan fest. I believe and... it was. Uh, I think there were only four developers on it originally, or something, out of a group of about one hundred and ten. Yeah. So it's it's been a tiny game. It's always been a tiny game. But this year they were really being pressed during the fan event to uh, to give a release date. And the the guy who's leading the project was like, no, nope, you know what? I know everybody's interested in a in a date that that they want hammered down any sort of time frame. But really, it'll be ready when it's done. You yeah. uh you 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 took longer than a minute to do the first part. Did yeah. 
how long was I? Uh, you're about a minute and 20. Oh, crap. Yeah. I'll cut it down next That's week. That's okay. That's okay. So what was this one where they fired the dev team? Okay, so Gods and Heroes is like a little teeny tiny uh, microtransaction game. And basically, um, they were talking about... Um, <laughs> basically, they put out these letters from the development team. And um, they basically fessed up in the most recent letter from the development team that the game no longer has a development team Sweet. and actually hasn't for quite some time. Um, and literally, the choice was keeping the game alive as it stood uh, or, uh, or shutting it down. Okay. They, they just couldn't afford to... Um, yeah, they just couldn't afford to continue... Um, funding the development team. Now, that being said, they do say that they are making enough money that the ser- the game servers are running. That is absolutely not an issue. The problem is, is that they cannot find funding to continue development right now. And the problem is, is that investors don't want to put in money to something that was a, s- a subscription model and became free to play. Mm-hmm. So, got it. Yeah, it's just it's a game. It's doing well enough that it could run literally to infinity um, at its current levels. But because they can't get investors, development is done. The game will just stand as is. Got it. Speaking of games that are not standing as is. The Maladu Game Jam is going on this weekend. I don't know if you guys heard about this. So Peter Maladu is a parody account of Peter Molyneux where he just does crazy-ass game ideas on his Twitter account. And through a long series of events and weird Twitter replies and circumstances, they turned it into a, I think, a 24-hour or is a 48-hour game jam event where they're trying to take all those game ideas, as many as they can, a bunch of developers all over the world, thousands of people, I think, maybe hundreds, I think thousands, though, are trying to make games out of those crazy-ass ideas and just kind of a nice uh, sentiment of revitalizing innovation in the industry and doing crazy stuff and stuff. I think it's pretty cool. And there's a live stream for it at uh, twitch.tv slash mollyjamsf, M-O-L-Y-J-A-M-S-F, which you can see if (laughs) if you download the show today. But, uh, yeah, it's pretty cool. And I hope there's going to be cool weird indie games coming out of it for us to play. I think that's all the news. We should get on to what we've been playing. And for me, that just is basically more Hot Shots Golf and a little bit of Kid Icarus. So, that, so how do you like the Frankenstand? Uh, Frankenstand is nice because this game would be unplayable without it, in my opinion. It's, a very, it's very painful on my wrist when playing it without the stand, but with the stand, it plays really well. And so I uh, I appreciate the stand, and I'm glad they included it. Um, if you uh, if you're gonna play it portably, you need to like prop your uh, system up on your knee or something. Needs. A stand, a stand. Yeah, I know, right? <laughs> uh, I don't know why this isn't on another platform. I'll be honest with you, but uh, the good part is it's a good game, and it's fun to play, and it, and you know, got some space harrier vibe and whatnot, and lots of loot and weapons to collect and to customize and to level up. And you get more hearts and unlock things and powers and, and you grow stronger. And I really like that. And Silktail asks if the stand is good with any other games. Um, It's a stand. 
So you could put the thing on the stand and play any game. It's it's not like it talks to the system. It's just <gasps> a stand. Wait, I can use the plastic stand <laughs> with other games? Yeah, of course you can. Whether or not you need it for other games, that's up to you. Because <laughs> you probably don't. So, um, I don't know. Let's see. What more to say about that other than um, if you're worried about being bad, I, um, I don't think you have to worry about that. It's turned out to be a pretty decent game. Um, obviously, read reviews. I wouldn't read the Destructoid review. It sounds like he's an idiot. Um, but everyone else, go ahead, read some reviews. Wait, wait, get who some reviewed things. it on Destructoid? I don't know. It's like supposedly, I heard on Cheap Ass Gamer they summed it up as the guy that nobody agrees with on Destructoid. So whoever that is. I'm going to go find out. Yeah. He gave it like a five and a half. So that is... Uh, Turn into the official Lucifer.com position on the game. That uh, it's a piece of crap and uh, terrible controls or something. But uh, I'm, having used it, I wouldn't say the controls are ca- terrible. Um, the fact that it just kind of wants one more hand that you have is kind of awkward. So, oh, you, it's it will... Jim Sterling. Oh, is it? Oh, who agrees with him? All right. So then I would say it will take you two levels to get used to the controls. So be ready f- to feel awkward during the first level. It will, it will, it, it takes a level to sink in how this works. So please, um, please, uh, don't just give up on it immediately. Um, beyond that, I found it to be very fun to play so far, but I'm only a few levels in and I'll give you more impressions as I get further on in the game, but I'm looking forward to playing more. So that is a good sign. I played more hot shots golf, but whatever. Anna has been playing the most awesome game I've ever seen. Awesome. You want, you're going to tell people what that means? Oh, that would be Osser's <laughs> Wrath. So, so sweet. Osser's Wrath is awesome. Basically, it is like playing an episode of anime where it's all of them playing a series of anime. Yeah, it's 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 a whole anime series where everything ridiculous about anime just becomes that much more awesome because you're the one that's doing it. So, um, yeah. How, how do you begin to describe that? So you play as Osara, and um, basically within like the first 10 minutes of the game, he's branded a traitor. And he gets uh, kicked out of heaven and sent to no, hell. You, you don't need to give him story details to explain this game. Well, okay. <laughs> but basically, because this happens, he gets very angry. <laughs> and thus he has is wrath and yeah. that's sort of his source of power so you are basically going through the story of why he is in this situation that he's in and how does he recover his honor and um he he has a goal in mind and he's slowly getting there and um there are some questions that haven't been answered yet like why asura is made of what he's made of I don't know how to say that without being kind of yeah. like a spoiler. It's kind of like a it's kind of like a traditional samurai ninja ronin style it's anime. It's like Dragon Ball Z. Yeah. Without the you know sixteen episodes of power up every time there's a fight. And it's got fantastic music. I just the love music the music is so amazing. much. Um, the voice acting is really good. Oh, what what's that? I was going to say, yeah, I didn't actually pull out a piece of um, really quite awesome classical music. I'm trying to remember what it was. It's one, of Dvorak, it's one of Dvorak's pieces. Yeah, I know I know the scene you're talking about. We played it last yeah. night. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, I believe we're on chapter 14? 
Ah, uh, so you don't go far to go then. Uh, we're no, at 16. There's... No, I don't think we're that far. Okay, whatever. But yeah, we, we don't have far to go. Um, basically, I think there's going to be like one more episode in this story arc, and then it'll be like one or two to end it, and then we'll be good. And then there's DLC that's coming out soon. <laughs> well, there's already DLC, and... There will um, be multi-episode DLC coming out very oh, soon. Oh, right, that was it. Um... The, the the name of the piece I was thinking of is um, The Symphony Number no. 9 in E Minor from the New World. There you go. By Dvorak. Which is Very a s- good piece of music. And you've probably heard it before, so you'd recommend it. You probably it. have, somewhere. Yeah. My favorite piece so far is Yasha's theme, though. So. Although, what I found weird was um, Asura himself. Is, I mean, you just mentioned the voice acting. Asura himself is voiced by Liam O'Brien, of all people. Yeah, isn't yeah, it weird? Actually, <laughs> yeah. The funny thing is, is, we actually were watching an interview about it. And I guess when they brought him into the studio, the first thing that they did was make him do all of Asura's wrath noises, so all of his like screaming and grunting and stuff. And he did that for something like eight or ten hours straight. No, he's the, like, the guy really knows how to shred a microphone. Well, and this is the thing is, he did all of that stuff first. He's like, okay, we're done, right? We're done for the day, right? And they're like, oh, no, we want you to do all the lines now. Well, yeah, more or less. So he that's that's why his voice sounds like so gravelly and chopped because he basically spent the whole day screaming. Uh, I think they they were probably going for that though. Oh yeah, it, I mean it sounds fantastic. It blows me away, like how the, very cool that all sounds. I think, um, the the I think it, it it's kind of Asura's Wrath is kind of testament to where if you design the entire game around quick time events, it can actually sort of be pulled off. <laughs> and this well. is the funny thing. <laughs> Well, did we mention there's an action beat 'em up in there, a la God of War and other things? Yeah. <laughs> it's not so. as deep, um, and that's definitely the weakest part of the game is the combat part, but it's such a small part of the game, and it just doesn't matter. That part of the game is just to get to the next the next special move thing, and this game is yeah. is basically bordered by getting to special move, press button, see crazy crap happen, press button, see even more crazy thing happen, and, and continue, and it just escalates and escalates and escalates. It's so beautiful. Do you know how many um, missions need to be S-ranked to get the best ending? I don't uh, know. Five. Okay. Oh, I, I'm really close then because yeah. I have at least three. Yeah. Um, now, the best part is is uh, when the, uh, the the various bosses you have to fight start monologuing, you actually get a button prompt so you can yes. shut them up. Yes, shut up, Wyzen. <laughs> I have not seen any of the monologues of- or story details revealed therein because Anna presses that button as soon as it shows up on the screen. <laughs> Fantastic. I like the Chivo. Oh, yes. Yeah, speaking of achievements, this game has awesome achievements. Oh, here we I go. got an achievement for staring at a girl's tits for too long. Yeah, I was, just, I was waiting for you to bring up the hot springs, but. <laughs> wow. Did you get that um, achievement? I got that achievement. My, my housemate got the achievement, yeah. Yay! I was. Thinking- I was, as I said, I was sitting on the sofa watching at the time because I, I haven't. That's that's like, close enough to no. to count as playing this game. Yeah. What I suggest is get three three friends together. All of you go twenty bucks in on this game. Let one of them play it, and the other two watch it. You're all good to go. It's less than a season of anime costs on DVD. You'll be happy. Yeah. Basically. <laughs> um. But yeah, it's funny. I actually complained to Chris at one point. I'm like, I don't get to watch this because I'm busy playing it, and you know, it, it's it's awesome. So, um, the what was the other thing that I wanted to talk about? Oh, right, you yell at me because um, I'll finish a fighting scene and forget that there's like a, a 
at an event. Yeah, she starts I, eating Cheetos and she starts missing the button presses. It's like, what are you doing? Like, it's a, and he cuts me off. He's like, the whole game is a cutscene. <laughs> She's like, it's a cutscene. No, that's not an excuse. What are you doing? <laughs> So yeah, this is an awesome game. Don't, uh, I, I would say uh, don't play it by yourself because it is an amazing game to play with someone else in the room with you. It's just it, it's an experience doing it that way. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> totally agree. But you, you can enjoy it on your own. But All right. Uh, did we mention the Google Maps stuff today or not? No. Yet. Are we yes. gonna, why don't we... Why yeah. don't we next week and we can do like an april fool's day roundup yeah that's a good idea just go to google maps that's all i'll say wait anna didn't talk about devil survivor 2 or skylanders no she didn't what's up with that no, i was waiting i was doing my my stuff for for Oscar's wrath first well, you had a second you should have jumped in there what's up devil survivor 2 i started playing this week so i made it through the first day and realized i was a little under level so i did like a couple grindings and then I'm almost done day two. So I'm almost done Monday. And uh, it's actually cool because um, – so the premise of this game is is that there's a website that you can see how someone is going to die in the future. And so basically I got a piece of film and it was like a guy that I knew goes, you know, face, feet, face, splunk into a pile of blood at the bottom of the stairs. And we were like, hmm, we should probably prevent that. And so it was like right before it was about to happen. And I saved and I didn't go there just to see what would happen if I actually missed the event. And yeah, they, they died in a very brutal, nasty fashion. <laughs> um, Why is that funny? Because it was actually pretty epic. Oh, okay. Yeah. So I went back to my save and I redid it properly. And nice. sadistic. Schadenfreude. <laughs> I'll see die. I'm just I'm impressed by like how meaningful they make death in that game. Okay. So meaningful you're laughing about it, but all right. <laughs> so I don't know. I don't know if I agree. <laughs> well it's it's an awkward laugh. It's like <laughs> No, that that was not an awkward laugh. I know your awkward laugh. That was no awkward laugh. <laughs> That was, I'm died. enjoying myself. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I stabbed him hey. and it was fun. Oh, what? Oh. <laughs> no, no, it's just, it was a good scene. I, uh, I, I actually felt really bad afterwards, but yeah, I mean, looking back, I'm chuckling a little because, yeah. I'm, I'm glad I made the decision to go back and save him because now he's in my party. Hmm. So, yeah, I'm impressed by the level of choice that game has. You can let people die. And uh, and it, it actually affects the morale of the characters. Oh, yeah, and that's the other thing is, is um, you have, um, I think it's called fate. So your fate is intertwined to the people around you. And you can actually increase the fate level of people that are in your party. So at level one... Everybody gets um, an affinity that they become strong to. So now I have people that are like strong against Zia and strong against Zan and strong against Aji. And then I have one person that I have bumped up to level two and they can now do um, um, team cracks with me. So basically either one of us can crack it. It's a little different than um, 
than just setting two people on the same thing. So, yeah. I haven't explored the team crack yet. I, I basically got that and then shut the game off because we were going to play Ostra's Wrath. Yep. And of course, um, I played a little bit of Skylanders this week, although ironically it was before I, fought, I bought four new figurines. So I now... <clears throat> Oh, Chris bought me four new figurines. Mm-hmm. So I am now the proud owner of uh, Zook and Lightning Rod and the legendary Trigger Happy and Hex. So I'm close. now at 34 out of 38. Did you adjust your count given the new like the new legendary there and all that? We're out of 39. Yeah. So Monday morning, bright and early, going to Toys R Us. Blue Bash is coming out. Yep. Hope to pick up the the fire level at the same time. We'll see how that goes. Yeah, that's what I've been playing this week. Uh, who's next? Uh, Quinn. Looks like, oh, looks like Quinn. Well, we're talking about Japan stuff. Let's keep the train rolling. Yeah. <laughs> Get it? The train rolling. I like it. Oh, Quinn gets it. Yeah. <sighs> Uh, yes, I was. I picked up. Uh, actually, no. The first thing I did. I am you actually going to just. Japan. No, the first thing I did this week was hand in my dissertation. Oh, finally. yay! Good job. Which was. Uh, a, a, it was actually a study about World of Warcraft. I've mentioned it a few times. I might send a PDF around the staff later. You know, if you want to read forty-one, if you want to read forty-one pages of my writing, because you already know how terrible my writing is from seeing my news stories on the site. Ho ho. Anyways. Um, yeah, so the first thing I bought this week was um, Total War Shogun 2, uh, Fall of the Samurai, which is um, one of those expansions that you don't need the original game to play. A standalone expansion pack, I think. Yeah, so. one of those. Um, which, rather than the uh, the original uh, Shogun 2, which covers the um, uh, Sengoku era, uh, so what, 1600 or so. Uh, There's also like a bit of DLC that covers the 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 early wars in the like 11th century, the Minamoto, the Taira, and that those yeah. battles. Yeah, which is a lot cheaper actually. Um, yeah. uh, Fall of the Samurai covers the Boshin War, um, which uh, heralds the end of the shogunate in Japan, which occurred in 1868 or 1868 to 1869, uh, um, and it's to do with um, the intervention of foreign powers in um, Japanese internal affairs and the modernization um of the sort of the, the, the sort of last vestiges of the japanese military um some people have t- taken to calling it the last samurai of the game or for anime fans Rurouni kenshin era yeah 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 that sounds, that sounds about right. i haven't actually watched Rurouni kenshin but i think i know what you mean I don't know. Yeah, I've been no, no, watching so... all of the developer diaries of this, and I'm going to ask you a bunch of questions because I there's a lot of cool things in there that just look awesome. Like how you can have an army on one side of the map, you put them on a train, and you can have your frontline artillery pieces in the battle right away, or like the new torpedo boats and all the steamships, and how you can oh have yeah like... all of yeah because all of the boats have now been because the boats obviously in the original Shogun Total War were like the oil driven like. Uh, Japanese style bricks, which were always covered in archers, and the general strategy uh, in naval warfare involved getting close enough to the boats so you could shoot arrows or primitive matchlocks at each other or um, engage in boarding actions. 
Yeah, um, they're like basically flying now Japanese castles. I mean, floating Japanese castles, right? Yeah, now they've now they've upgraded to um, steam-driven wo- uh, wooden and a couple of iron ships. It's now all basically long-range cannon warfare at mm. sea. Well, some of it anyway. Um, you can still do things like boarding actions, but it's now a lot harder because all of the all of the ships are now armed with really powerful cannons. Um, I heard that you can take direct control of uh, of uh, Gatling gun units and artillery pieces. Have you tried that out yet? Yep, you can. Yeah, you can. Is it fun? You basically, yeah, it is actually. Um, although you can still only, I think you can still only kind of shoot in the general direction of where things are. You can't sort of mm-hmm. just blind fire. You have to be able to. You have to be able to see and be in range of what you want to shoot at. Um. I mean, I also, it kind of you can't. I don't think you can actually order anything else while you're uh, directing your artillery pieces. So if you need to order your troops to do something, you kind of have to leave the first-person mode or whatever to to go and back and order your troops around. So I think this is like the most modern setting that the Total War series has ever been set in. Um, yeah, I think, think it do, is. Um, do they do a good job with it? Yeah, I think they've. I mean, based on what I've played so far, I think they've done a pretty good job of. Of, I, I, mean, I must admit, the, the 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 this area of history is not something I've I've studied to any length, so I don't know how accurate it is with regards to, like, how much it sort of takes after the actual era in history that it's based on. But I know you do get um, based on uh, like the interventions of the various other um, national powers, so England. Um, America and France, as well as some uh, some of the uh, factions working inside Japan, do grant you like um, periods uh, period specific special units. So you can get um, uh, British Royal Marines added to your armies, and forces loyal to the Shogunate who control Kyoto can have access to the uh, Shinsengumi. The rather famous, uh, the um, the sort of this police force in this era. Um, yeah, no, it's, I think it's pretty good. I'm thoroughly enjoying playing it. You just so, got to you, you kind so, of just need to update your strategies a bit to to account for the new technology. You know, I love that trailer. The the first reveal trailer for uh, Follow the Samurai. It's it's like the most. It, it seems like it was written by like the worst weeaboo of Japanese history. The soul of the samurai is in his soul. The samurai were, were like a cherry blossom. It's like this goes on and on and on, and then all of a sudden you hear like this this crass American accent from like the from, from a cavalry soldier in you know like the late eighteen hundreds. The Gatling gun is a you know or your today soldier. You see him and just taking on wave after wave of samurai so, so it was like a nice juxtaposition and they're like playing with themselves too like sort of making fun of themselves and how they revere Jap- Japanese society and the, the, the feudal era and all the, the military taxes and just sort of say yeah this gun they'll kill them all really quickly yeah pretty much I, the Gatling gun is is one of the pieces of standing artillery you do have access to and it, it, it is pretty fun particularly when the other side is is generally not fielding any ranged units that's it is fun. But yeah, if you like if you like the Total War stuff and you haven't picked up Sh- uh, Total War Shogun Two, the original one, just pick this one up anyway. Didn't there was a sale where you got um, the the game for free if you just bought the expansion or something? 
Oh, really? Yeah, I think it was on Steam or something. Because uh, uh, I bought... I, I know it's, it's come up before, but originally I bought Shogun Total War. I bought the special edition of uh, to, uh, Shogun Total War um, at a, quite a big discount, actually, and got, got the uh, chest set with it. Oh, wow. That's a box copy then, right? Yeah. Hmm. I actually have a box copy of the expansion as well because I found it cheap in a, sh- in a shop in uh, England, as in one of the ones that's not currently going out of business. So you didn't buy it at game? No. <laughs> I don't think game is selling that. it. <laughs> they can't yeah. afford to buy games. It's really sad. Uh, game has actually now gone into administration. Oh, wow. So you don't need the base game at all to play Total War, the Fall of, Sa- Fall of the Samurai no. expansion. No, it's a standalone expansion. Standalone. That's awesome. You, it, basically, if you've got the original game, it just kind of effort, effortlessly slots into it. Okay. But if you don't have it, then you basically just get the um, Fall of the Samurai campaign and all of its associated units. Which means that, because um, for example, the box copy has three CDs in it. But if you've already got uh, Sh- uh, Shogun 2 installed, you just need the last CD, which has the Fall of the Samurai data on. The first two, I think, contain like the, basically the Shogun Total War engine mm-hmm. and all of that stuff. You have it on it. Steam already, though. Yes, so, I do. Does it but give you Steam box. credit but, even when you get the box? Uh, the box one, it, like Civilization V, requires yeah. Steam, basically. Ah, it's Steamworks stuff. All right. Yeah, it's Steamworks. Cool. But you didn't get the Sioux Faction Pack then, I bet. Uh, no, I have the Saga Faction Pack instead. Ah, all right. Which is what I get for buying the uh, box. Uh, the box copy so yeah cool. the saga faction are the ones who basically start with um they they start with an existing trade relation uh, trade relations with all three foreign nations so they have slightly earlier access to um foreign technology at the start of the game hmm. so yeah Good times. And Chris, if you get the chance to watch that video, that little one-minute trailer, I think that sets the tone of exactly what this new expansion is. There's perfectly. three videos on here. So. Just the, it was, I just sent you a one-minute one. Oh, I? you sent me one. Okay, I was on the Steam page. Sorry. Look at the look at me. Okay, I'll watch that later. That's cool. Yeah, yeah. It's, um, it's, um, yeah I'm never going to play these games. They're just it's so much time to get good at these. You know? No, no, not at all. You just start with a little. You know, if you lose. That's a that's a valid experience. That just means that your empire died. That happens. <laughs> you think I'm joking? It happened to the audience. But I want to progress ha- through the campaign. Not no, just... but you don't always have to be the master of the universe in every game you play. No, but Sometimes... I'd like to play all the content. Well, you are. How do you it's progress the, it's if like you you're die? Getting locked out because you but lost you, the can, battle. Can you keep going forward if you lose? It's just like that story. You, that you start a new game. It's not like it's, it's start not a like new game. Just, but then I'm like playing the same story, story again, campaign. aren't I? There, uh, is, no a, there is a campaign, isn't there? No, yeah, yeah. It's a, it's a, but it's a map conquest type campaign. Okay. It's not specifically it's not, a. It's not specifically a story driven one. It's one where oh. you basically have to conquer a certain number of province, provinces in Japan. Yeah, you're not controlling Yuji, and you need to take Yuji from a young youth into avenging his father's death. Yeah, I thought it's that's not, how it was. Yeah. No, no, no hell no. I thought that you know. Although there is, there is still um because your your um your kind of your mil- your generals or at least your initial ones are basically members of your um rule like your ruling family for your clan, but you can sort of recruit um sort of more as as you go on that aren't sort of directly related to them. Okay. You can still sort of place a little uh, personal faith in them because your generals are generally quite powerful units, but mm-hmm. you know it's not kind of like there's no. It's like preordained story. 
you know, even like some dedicated Total War fans, they'll take defeat as like, as an interesting experience because they it means they tried out new strategies, new new diplomat. Like it's it's part of the intricate story that that is your personal narrative with the game. It's like you could have aligned with some people and they betrayed you. Everyone teamed up against you and you were backed into a corner and then you fought valiantly and you held off as long as possible and you took back, you know, sort of like Napoleon coming back after his exile and you took back some things but you ultimately defeated. And you know what? You may have lost, but you walk away with a great experience and a great story about your time and your. Oh yeah, yeah. You, your 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 clan fought down, fought down to the last man. Were massacred by Gatling guns. Your home city is is on fire, being burned down by foreign invaders. Still a better ending than Mass Effect Three. Boom, headshot. <laughs> okay. And with that, we should move on. <laughs> yeah. Uh, the other stuff I've been playing this week. Um, I, I, I imported a copy of um, – I was going to talk about this last week, but I wasn't able to be on the cast. Uh, I imported a copy of um, Tales of Destiny 2, which is the unreleased sequel to Tales of Destiny – well, unreleased in America, sequel to Tales of Destiny. Oh. It was the first, first Tales game to be released on the, on the PlayStation 2 originally. Um, and it, it's it, – the reason why I've, I sort of went back to it, became interested in it is uh, it kind of started a couple of, like, Tales – things that sort of wouldn't wouldn't properly come up until later like the 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 start of the uh tales of graces battle system which we've spent a little bit of time recently sort of praising as being really good sort of got its start in tales of destiny 2 way back in you know sort of 10 years ago or something uh and it, it kind of started a couple of other tales trends that have continued um, and uh, the other game that I have on my list there, Chris, isn't a typo. Hard War is a 1998 um, uh, science fiction flight trading game. You know, like the you know stuff like um, games like uh, Wing Commander Privateer, that kind of thing. Privateer, but yes, Privateer, whatever. Um, think that, but actually on a planet rather than in space. Mm. Uh, I, I just put I haven't played that. I never played that. I just, yeah, okay. I just it's know just, people was, confuse a, my last name with it. It was. A, it's a really old game that was developed by a now defunct um, British development studio called the Software Refinery, and was published by Interplay. Actually, um, so Hard War and, stars Hard Gay. No. Oh. Although would, it, it does, that would be pretty it, awesome. It does have. Um, it does have um, live action cutscenes. Which is a little oh. weird, but then again, so, it was well, 19- then it really is like a Wing Commander game. It was 1998, and live action cutscenes were in. But the only reason I mention it is, um, it's a great little, um, like, effectively trade. You know, one of those space trading games without the space kind of thing. Um, and for a game released in 1998, sure, it hasn't. The graphics haven't aged well, but it's not a bad little game, and it is possible to get it. Um, you can basically obtain it free because the I have a box copy of it dated from years ago, but the developer is officially dead. In fact, both the developer and the publisher are both dead, gone, and buried. And um, so, how do you get it for free? Pirating it? Basically, yeah. Okay, it's abandonware. We're considering basically, yeah, because the the developer went out of business in like two thousand and one. No one owns rights on these anymore. Um, well, the rights were now are held by a company. Nobody knows who owns the rights anymore. Awesome. <laughs> in this country, they, the the uh, publisher was uh, Gremlin Interactive, yeah. who vanished years ago. In America, the rights are held by Interplay, who vanished years ago. Uh, 
Uh, they, Interplay kind of disappeared off the radar. Uh, they've been getting sued by Bethesda, so not completely. Yeah. <laughs> but otherwise, I mean, who gives a crap, really? <laughs> I, I don't know. I still feel right in doing it because I know I have a box copy of it. I had to download the CDs because uh, I've managed to drop the CD case somewhere in my bedroom and I can't find it. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, that's me. Manny? All right. I, I just realized there were two big things we didn't talk about. We didn't? Uh, we didn't talk about that huge Kotaku story on Orbis. Oh, give me a break. Is it is, is, a, is a big give me a break? It's uh PS4 might have specs for it and they possibly will make you have to register your games to your PSN account even the physical ones that you buy. Oh snap. Yeah. All right, that's the the big part of the story, right? Am I missing something? Yeah. All right. So, yes, it'll be like PC games where no more used games. I think it's a great way to alienate a huge percentage of the gaming audience and that it won't go over very well if they actually go for that you know the truth is if if it gets to that i'd rather just spend that six hundred dollars on a nice gaming pc and just hook it up to my tv mm, i guess i you know well, everyone's doing it already isn't it with steam's yeah. big picture mode coming soon uh, yeah no i i can't argue that uh th- that doesn't work for everybody so i, I just i never i never see that really that solution really taking off like like a console does so i don't know there's gonna be so if this PS4 story is true and it's Orbis, um, some people are just gonna deal with it. They're gonna keep buying games because they don't care. They're gonna they want to play games, and some people are gonna just basically be out because they only play used games for the most part. All right, that's fine. Um, the question is, is it gonna seriously kill the market? And I don't know. I can see it going either way, really. I think so. this would push me to just straight up game because I I listen to a lot of podcasts where the tech guys like Giant Bomb tested where they just. You're just building. I hear all these great stories of how they're playing uh, games like Crisis on, or you know, everything has Xbox controller support. They're playing like a Saints Row, and they got it for dirt cheap on Steam. It looks fantastic on their TV, yeah. and H, it, it's better. Like it has better resolution, and it has better textures, and it has better frame rate yeah. than anything the consoles are doing. Yep. And it's like, and so you can if, upgrade that card. Yeah, yeah. But what if? I mean, that's that's. I think that's a side issue to this to this console, um, because it's just. At me, it just has me thinking about moving away from it altogether. You like case, to yeah. move away. Yeah, I mean, you, sorry, you like to wait for games to drop in price before you get most of them, right? Not even the point. I mean, at that point, if I have to, if everything is locked to my console at that point, why not just get? Why not just go to a service and a company that I trust? Okay. And I don't really trust Sony. I trust the. I trust Valve a lot more. So, what if they started releasing games at like much cheaper price points? They won't. See, because that's the only way I see it working. It's like, okay, guys, you win. Now we can't pirate your games. But I think that means you can't charge sixty bucks anymore. That, that's over with if you do that. You know, it's not even really a price thing. I just I feel like if if at the point where I'm doing PC registrations of my games, I, I should just get a PC. Hmm. All right. No, that's fair. That's just how I feel. I, I yeah. just push. It just I think if this notion comes out true, I'm just. You're gonna be you're gonna be missing games, I bet. But 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 what games would I be missing? Killzone and Uncharted. I don't know. I guess I don't if you care. don't care about JRPGs, it doesn't matter. I don't. <laughs> <All right. laughs> 
That's just the honest truth. I don't, and yeah. I, I don't like Uncharted. I mean, I know it's good. I, I understand the quality of those games. I'm just, it's just too much of a linear, linear experience for my taste. Hmm. So, and I'm just kind of sick of hearing how everything always runs better on a PC than <laughs> on my consoles, except GTA games. Oh yeah. Okay. Fair enough. <laughs> <laughs> It was interesting the story though. I mean, it sort of blew up the internet for a little while, and it's, yeah. it just—it was funny that we forgot about it. Yeah, I, yeah. I guess it just feels so fake to me. I, it, it's in that category of like iPad rumors and stuff that I just—it's not even worth reporting on most of the time. Usually, you know what it is though. It's like I, I don't, I don't know. Okay, it's Luke Plunkett. I was about to say, but the the confidence they're saying, oh, we have sources who have been right on the inside. Oh, <laughs> okay, I just thought it was maybe worth mentioning. I would and love I, to hear what our audio, what what our, the listeners have to think. I both would love of to the see both of the console makers have now said that there will be no new console reveals at E three, right? Um, hmm. I know. I know Microsoft has for sure. Yeah, I thought Sony just did it a long time ago, but that they also did it. All right, maybe not. So that'd be that'd be interesting to so, see anything. Well, will this E three be a little boring? Do you think? Uh, it sounds like it. It's shaping up to be a boring ass E three. All right. That so I'm worried, but it could also it could also be the sort of E3 where we're really late in the cycle and we can have awesome games revealed, right? Maybe it's it's been like that for the past three years. Yeah. <laughs> you know, let's at the point we, of the well, let's hope we get another cycle, one then. <laughs> where we you know we were getting like God of War two and thinking games can't look better than this. That's been happening for three years straight now, and we're at the point where I think if you like at the point where these games are. Like so I think that it peaked when Assassin's Creed 2 came out, sort of that sort of that, that sort of like yeah. that sort of time frame where people are like, I can't believe these consoles are doing this stuff. Look at how expensive these are. And then you get a, a, like four more Assassin's Creeds at the same time. <laughs> and you're trying to see, wait a minute, maybe the things are a little bit hamstrung. It's like but it's, you know, I, we need to have a new console. And the, the, the makers are just refusing. They're absolutely refusing. And we've pushed the tech as tech as far as it can go, but I guess that's not yeah. the that's not the defining uh the that's not the defining moment of when we switch anymore. So the blah 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 blah. So what'd you what did you play? Um I have not been on the podcast for um uh, two eons. weeks. Yeah, two weeks. Yeah. Okay. So there is I've been busy, as you can see from my list. Chris? Yeah, I can. Look at that. Okay. Yeah. I almost never play games. Okay, so I finished Bioshock 2. Do you want... Uh, um, Anyone here ever going to play Bioshock 2? I have it. I might do you think play you, it. Do you have Minerva's Den? Um, I have it on PC. Don't I get that for free? I don't know. It's, it's paid oh, uh, No, I don't, I don't think you do get it for free because I don't have it. Minerva. I, I, can't, I can't buy it on Steam, so where would you buy it? In-game? I have no idea. Really, it's not on Steam because the yeah, funny thing. I think uh, it came out free for P- for for. Did it? I really do. Hmm. So. Oh wait, no! I only have the original Bioshock on Steam. I have a box copy of the second one. Mm. I'm trying to remember which way around I I bought the because I knew I had one on Steam and the other one. I, box. I believe I it came in a package. Wow, you got it for free! I had to pay five bucks I, for that. I I feel eighty percent sure of that. So. I'm sure they'll correct us. <laughs> okay, well, I, so I finished Bioshock 2, and um, 
it was I, I'm glad I played it because when I played Minerva's Den, it made Minerva's Den that much better. Not because it had story tie-ins, not because it, um, I understood the world more because of Bioshock 2, but because I saw how amazing Minerva's Den was compared to what Bioshock 2 was. Minerva's Den is a fantastic game, and it's everything Bioshock 2 should have been. Oh, the only reason I played Bioshock 2 was I absolutely love the architecture in the series. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I, I love Art Deco. Apparently, you have to buy the DLC on the Windows Marketplace. Oh, oh that's it. Wow. Yes. Ten bucks. Oh, for, you know, the funny thing is, though, really, I mean, I finished Bioshock 2, and I thought the ending was, it was whatever. I, I thought the entire experience... It, uh, you know, some games are mechanics games like Diablo 3 or, or like a, a, Total, a, a Total War or Civilization. Those are mechanics games. And they're like story games where you come to for the experience, the atmosphere, and the story. So Bioshock 2, they fixed a lot of the mechanics. But it's like, who cares? I came here for the story and the atmosphere and all this other stuff. Yeah. And they, I don't feel like they delivered as much. Mm. They, didn't, they didn't really deliver on those fronts. It was interesting enough to pull you through to the end, yeah. but ultimately a little forgettable. Mm-hmm. But Minerva's Den, it, what made that so good is it distilled like a 12-hour game into like a four-hour experience. Oh, that's awesome. And because of that, it's so dense. It's just so dense. with stuff. Like when I would go exploring in Bioshock 2, I would find maybe ammo or a couple of bucks in a crate. When you go exploring here, you find a new plasmid. You find a brand new weapon. You find a weapon upgrade. You Ooh. find you – find, and there's like – there's fewer um, audio logs too. And the audio logs that are in Minerva's Den – are all focused on one key narrative. Awesome. Like this tale of this one guy who um, it takes place in Rapture Central Computing. It's sort of like the computer that runs all the security systems and everything in Rapture just keeps play going. And it's focused on one of the one of the guys who actually built this uh, built this computer with a, with a partner. He was he was like uh, I think he helped Turing with the Enigma code. Uh, he's an African American. Uh, African American protagonist, and it tackles some issues about race and what it's like to be black in Britain, be black in during this time, be black in Rapture, and deal with those kind of issues. And it's like a personal story about him and his and his lost wife and his lost love. And it's just because it's so at this four hour experience, you get this clear arc and narrative. You get there's a great twist at the end. All of the audio logs, like in Bioshock Two, there was I got an, an achievement for collecting over a hundred audio logs. And they were, they were from like the mailman to the milkman on every topic imaginable. <laughs> yep. It was just, it was ridiculous. But here it's like everything you you get here actually adds more to the, to the character to the main character that, you're, that you care about, more about why he's in this situation, why he was, why what happened to him happened to him. I'm just gonna keep it vague at that. It because it's just so dense and so like. Remember that gameplay loop I talked about when I talked about Bioshock 2, Little Sister thing? Yeah. That only happens that, – that loop only happens twice, and, and it's, it's quicker. So, so you, you get the Little Sister. The body's right there. You collect it really quick. The waves are shorter. It's, oh, and there's two other tweaks that really made it better. There's like two small little things that just gave the game that much more strategy, like – in Bioshock 2, there are these big brutish guys who just sort of beat you up and uh, knock you around. And this time around, they've been mutated, so they're fire brutes. So now, like, one of the things you'd always do is you'd burn them up. And now, whenever they arrive, you can't use fire attacks against them. They just absorb it. And uh, another one were the Houdini splices who, who would warp around a lot. And what you would do is you would freeze them in place, and then you would, like, shatter them. Now those are ice enemies. 
So like those just those two small little tweaks when they throw them in a wave of enemies mixes up your strategy and forces you to do different things right away. So, mm-hmm. And uh, there's no power to the people station. You don't have to upgrade weapons and decide what weapons to upgrade. And so you just find upgraded weapons in the environment. And you could easily miss them too. You could just walk past them, but you pick them up. And it's just instantly upgraded. You can find better versions on the floor. It really gives you an incentive to explore. You want to know more about the story. It's over before you can even get sick of it. It's just like the right little length. I I feel like if Bioshock 2 was a series of these little vignettes about people that you really cared about, it would have been a much better and tighter experience. Rather than uh, there was this secret lady who uh, who, was Andrew Ryan's foe this whole time and she split Rapture in half. It's like Mm -hmm. instead of like this big secret war you had no idea about just like a series of personal stories and vignettes within this rapture world would have been a much better experience i could imagine like like maybe a game of like three minerva's dens or like you know similar experiences just like three little four hour chunks would have been a much better experience i mean i thought that brad shoemaker on the giant bomb cast was exaggerating a bit when he said Minerva's Den sort of redeems like all of bioshock 2 and sort of like uh creatively and it's like the like the one experience that makes Bioshock 2 a must-play or a must-own. He was legit, totally right. I was really impressed with it. Something I was not as impressed with, Chris. Yeah? Uh, Brutal Legend. Oh. I had that on my, my shelf for, for, for forever, and I decided it? to finally give... Yeah, played it all the way through. Oh, how long is it? Uh, like maybe like nine hours. Or oh, less. I didn't realize it was so short. I'm like halfway through it. Then I need to finish that. I don't know if you do. <laughs> I I really like. I know, but I like the the the, I the RTS stuff sucks. I agree, but I like the um everything else about the game, the environment, the people, the characters, all that stuff. It's like the fans. Oh, those are fans. You know, this is yeah. It's it revels. I like metal. And so it it just revels in its metalness so much. It's just yeah. so absurd and it's so funny. Did what, did you get to the emo part? Oh, the no, uh, I didn't. I didn't. Okay. I must not have. I it's did. Just turn when you get to the goth metal, but by that okay. point, it's just full on RTS mode. Okay. Yeah. And I actually quite like the RTS stuff just, in Brutal Legend, but I'm a weirdo, so. Did you love it? I didn't love it. I liked it. I, I didn't think it was terrible. I mean, there was so much that I liked about it, but then there was just these moments where it was just sort but, of like. Then why do you say that you shouldn't that I shouldn't finish it? Um, I really liked the intro. I thought when I started, <laughs> okay. I was like, I was on a high. So I, man, why were people saying so many bad things about this game? Yeah, that it game was, starts great, doesn't it? And by the end, when I was in the maybe, can you remember? You remember the battle in the snow with uh with with the goth rockers? Oh yeah, and that battle just went on forever and ever and ever. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I say I, I think it had its. It definitely had its moments. I, I think in the end, it's like a, it's like a three stars, like a three out of five. Because it, it, when it's on with story and its humor, it's on. It's got a great soundtrack. It's some interesting stuff. But like the side quests, uh, you know, we're gonna we're gonna go kill some bad guys. Want to help? <laughs> like that's all of the side quests. It's I don't know, man. I I just got so frustrated by the end, and I was so sad by the end. It was like that joy and elation I had just sort of went. It, it, it didn't get to levels of uh, of uh, Dead Island 
like I was just angry and bitter about the game and just sort of just really resentful. It just got to the point where I was sort of like a little disappointed because I went from such a high to sort of like, oh man, this RTS part isn't very good. Why can't I go back to the action part? So, I don't know. I just, I just don't know if, if you'll remember enough of the mechanics at this point, Chris, to want to relearn the battles. Yeah, I don't know. Oh, he could just stall again. Yeah, it's not that long. <laughs> you could if you wanted to. Yeah, so I, I want to do it at some point. Um, yeah, I will say the voice acting is great. Uh, with Tim Curry as the the Viculus is fantastic. Mm-hmm. Is, is laughing. It, it just sort of left me lukewarm at the end. I started really high and I went to like. I, I, I'm glad I played it, but there were just some parts where I'm like, man, if only. If the thing only. that's bugging me is I'm making predictions about how the story turns out, and I want to see if I was right. So. Oh. That's Can I kinda... hear your predictions? No, not, no, no. I don't want to spoil. So it's not a spoiler if it's just a prediction. Um. Well, my prediction, but but then you're going to tell me if I'm right or not, and I don't. Well, wanna... I'm not. I'm not saying anything. Okay. My prediction is that the whole thing's uh, a hallucination in his head, and my and I think it could go really south as far as what's going on in the quote unquote real world. So, <laughs> so I don't know. We'll see. Because <laughs> it it just has this feeling like an old '80s sitcom and stuff, and things that I've seen before, and it feels like it's written just to be exactly like that. And I think I finished it in maybe like two or three sittings, like maybe two or three, like in a small two three hour chunks. You could probably finish it pretty quickly if you mm-hmm. wanted to. Hmm. <laughs> started strong, but just just you know the problem was that game was though is that it started as a multiplayer. Um, console RTS game, and then they built a story around it. Oh, really? Oh, all right. They had a lot of trouble getting Brutal Legend out. That's still they my got favorite. Screwed, got yeah. screwed by, by the developers at least once. Yeah, publisher. Yeah, but they. I, publisher, I still can't believe, or I still love uh, Tim's quotes during the Kickstarter stuff about <laughs> if we reach, you know, one million dollars, I'll put RTS ga- elements in the game. If we meet one point one million dollars, I'll take them out. <laughs> <laughs> it's just awesome. Yeah. All right, yeah. uh, and then you started Crisis Two. Uh just a little bit. After all of those old games, older games, I wanted to play something a little bit more recent. Mm-hmm. Even on the 360, Crisis Two is pretty, but I can't help but thinking, like, man, if it looks this good on a 360, how good does it look on a PC? Mm. That's a basically. Yeah, a lot. I'm sure. Uh, it, it depends how much PC you have to give it. So. Yeah, that <laughs> is true. Actually, Crisis it'll take 2 as does much as you PCs. have, and yeah. <laughs> So it's interesting. I love. Um, I've been on a power armor trip late, lately, and I'm, I love this rendition of power armor. Cool. So it's pretty cool. Nano suits and all that stuff. I'm just a little bit in. Other than that, uh, that's it. All right. And that's our now playing for this week. So I guess we're going to wrap things up now. Thanks, everybody, for watching. If you're watching live, we love you guys. Like Journey sitting there in the chat room right now and Yoshu's in the chat room and all this stuff. Um, if you want to catch us live, it's 9 a.m. Pacific, noon Eastern at rpgamer.com slash live. Pretty much every week uh, with rare exceptions. Uh, again, you can email us at podcast.rpgamer.com, 608-729-4098 for the voicemail and board.rpgamer.com for the message boards. Read your feedback right on the show. Send us in the segment you can play on the show. Try and keep it under 30 seconds if it's a voicemail. About a minute and a half for uh, your own segment or review or something. Um, and, uh, yeah. So send us your content. We love to incorporate it into the show. And I think that's it for this week. Next week is Xeno uh, Blade, right? Xenoblade comes out next week, right? 
So hopefully there'll be a lot of buzz and talk about that. Though I don't know if anyone on the show's playing it. Those so. reviews came out pretty early. Um, well, our review came out last year. Uh, yeah, I think everyone who actually cares about it has already imported it. Yeah. So hopefully there'll be... Uh, I guess there won't be any blood. Or blood. There won't be any... Wow, where did I get blood from? There won't be any buzz. Ooh. And, and while uh, Super, my copy of uh, Super Robot Wars will, will be shipped next oh week, I doubt it will get here until at least the week right, after. So two, two weeks till you get to hear John rant and rave about um, Super Robot Wars. Yeah. Two weeks. I say two years. I meant two weeks. Two weeks. Two weeks, yes. No, two years is how long it is, at the, at the moment, how long it's going to take me before I get to talk about the PS3 one, which ah, is still okay. in development. All right. You know, the one that was supposed to come out, like, last August. Um, no, still I bitter don't, I don't know that. So. Oh, I mentioned, I mentioned it a few times last year. Okay. Just, um, still bitter about it, the release date sliding. Got it. Good to Anyways. Know. All right. Well, with that, we're going to wrap up, and we'll see you all next week. So thanks for watching, and goodbye, everybody. Bye. Bye.